sinners <laughs> I like that <laughs> hope y'all are good <laughs> we follow up hello sinners with hope y'all are good <laughs> we were just talking about uh living in Virginia and maybe I channeled you channeled, channeled your some southern part of other Virginian <laughs> um uh, yeah yeah I'm doing good me too me too it's getting cold it is getting cold, and I don't like it. I mean, I'm I'm okay with it. And I, <laughs> I hate daylight savings because every time I get oh, out of work, so I'm hard. like, why is it already dark? Yeah, even the kids, I guess it was Monday, we're driving to school, and they're like, why is it so dark? I hate it so <laughs> much. It's an hour earlier now. Yeah, and it just, it's like one morning this week i had to like start my car early Mm -hmm. and i got out there and it had been started for like 10 minutes and it was still frosty yeah i was like this it's too early yeah i'm not ready for this remember when i worked winter um, is coming seven on and seven off i would like get to work yeah when it was dark and i would leave when it was dark it sucks and i'd like get to my week off and you'd be like oh yeah there is sunshine (laughs) (laughs) this is what it feels like i don't ever get to to be that to be a normal human (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is hard. The The daylight saving sucks. And we always talk about how we're going to stop doing it. Could no, we just then stop? It never does. <laughs> we just stop. Can we please just stop? Yeah. We're not farmers anymore. Sorry, guys. Well, we don't need to do this. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I don't think we really have any other businessy stuff. I don't think so. Right? Nope. I hope all you guys so. upped your chairs that needed to and are enjoying the early release episodes. Yeah. Early ad free yeah, release. Yeah, ad free. So, so if you're interested, go sign up for our ten dollar Patreon tier. Yeah, do it, do it. Help support us. Okay, so why <laughs> we meet again with this? <laughs> I I haven't done this for a while. Where I start a case and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh no, this is a really big one. But today it is. And I'm hoping we can just do a two-parter. Lindsay thinks it's going to be three, so we'll see. I said it's going to be at least three. Yeah, there's it's a lot, but we'll see. This particular person that I'm doing it on, I mean, you'll see the the episode name. He, I feel like, gets overshadowed because his murders took place in the late '60s, which was around the exact same time as like Ed Kemper. The oh, Manson yeah. family, like, there were some really big names, big names out, and somehow I feel like he just gets overlooked, though he is crazy. He's, like, supporting actor. <laughs> he is, and he should be <laughs> a main ceremony, actor. But he should be, like, he should. the main guy. Yeah, and his, his murdering spree only took place for about 15 months before he was caught, but there's so much leading up to that and so much other stuff that he kind of does beforehand Ugh, but there's a lot for this there's a lot but yeah it's it's i know i'd heard of him but i didn't know the ins and outs and i'm really surprised that like he's not more of like a big name yeah you told me who there. you were doing and i know the name but i don't know 
Well, and a lot. I know basics. He's in the first season of Mindhunter. Yeah. And all I can remember is Ed Kemper. Right. And I don't, I was like, he was in that? Like, I'm going to have to go back and watch it because I don't remember his character in that. I just remember Oh, I do. Because they bring him, isn't that the one that they bring the shoe? Yeah. It would be him. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like so, like he just overshadowed by By Ed Ed Kemper. Kemper, Even in the TV show. So. Yeah. True. So yeah. So this one will be fun and I hope you guys like it. I'm excited. Okay, ready? Yeah. All right. Henry and Eileen Brudos were quite the odd couple. Eileen was like a stoic woman. She kind of ran her home with a firm hand. She definitely wore the pants in the family. She always was dressed really neat, but she was very plain. And she never, ever, ever wore high heel shoes. Because those were like dirty shoes. Okay. Henry was five foot four, redhead, <laughs> suffered a bit from small man syndrome. Okay. <laughs> and that he was quick to anger if he ever felt, you know, the tiniest bit of like anything against him. Like disrespect. Yeah. Um, and the couple was married sometime in the early 1930s and they would go on to have two children. Now, their first child was a boy named Larry and he was born in 1936. He was an easy child, very bright, pretty calm. Eileen doted on him. She absolutely loved him. And at that point, she felt that, like, their family was perfect. She was good with the one. That was great. But about two years later, she became pregnant again. And she didn't want another child. But once, like, the whole shock wore off, like it does with some people, right? She was like, okay, I can get behind this. And she had her mind set that this was a little girl and she would be she was perfectly happy with that okay on january 31st 1939 eileen would give birth but not to a little girl to a little red-haired blue-eyed baby boy oh which sounds obviously i have a red head and i love it yeah but he's only cute for a hot second (laughs) this baby she did not want from the very, very second that he emerged into this world, she did not want him. And she made him very aware Aww. of how much she did not want him. That's so sad. It's terrible. They named him Jerome Jerry Brudos. Or, sorry, Jerome Henry Brudos. Jerry for short. Okay. Now, Henry, his father, was an alcoholic. But, I mean... Who wasn't back then because the I feel like literally everyone's 1930s. dad is an alcoholic right and not very nice to their sons like, right i don't think that was out of the ordinary that's just the norm but he did struggle keeping work so the family moved several times throughout jerry's childhood between california and oregon okay. it kind of like bounced back and forth just wherever he could get a job and he usually worked that he would usually get them like houses on a farm So they'd live on the farm, and then he would do some work on the farm. But the farms that he would find usually didn't, like, really produce a lot of income, so he'd also have to get a job in town. Okay. So he was gone, like, all of the time. All the time. All the time. Around 1944, the Brudos family would move to Oregon, and at this time, Jerry was five. Now, he never really had supervision because, like I said, she didn't give a shit about his existence, really, at all. That's so sad. It's like, terrible. It ugh. really, really is. 
So he was sad when I hear stories like this. I I mean, it's not like the child asked to be born. No, like they did not beg you to have intercourse. (laughs) No, no coitus as (laughs) the Big Bang Theory refers to it. But anyway, he never had supervision, so he just kind of like ran around the neighborhood, just did his thing, and he would spend his time often in this nearby dump, just like I don't know, rummaging through things. Right? I mean, he's five. So, can you, like another man's trash or yeah. one man's one man's trash is another <laughs> a man's five year old treasure, treasure okay? for sure. No, while in the dump one day, he's I don't know doing whatever he's doing, but he comes across a pair of black patent leather shoes. They're high heeled, they're open toed, they have a little strap around the back like that goes on your ankle. And it has, like, one of them has, like, a rhinestone on there. The other one has a rhinestone <laughs> missing, right? Okay. But he sees these shoes, and he is, like, enamored. He is just like, what is this beautiful thing that I have just <laughs> discovered? Okay? Because he is literally, he's never seen anything like it before. Because, like I said, his mom is very plain and, like, very no shoes like that. Like so- the soft glow of electric <laughs> yes. sex in the window. <laughs> yes. Eye-opening. So he takes them and he takes them home. Now, mostly to get a laugh like five-year-olds do because they're hilarious little creatures. He puts on the shoes and he starts trotting around the house like in these black high heel shoes. But when his mother sees him, she flips out. She starts screaming at him. She's telling him how wicked he is, oh, how no. dirty they are. Like, she just loses it. And he's, I mean, he's five. He's like, what the hell is <laughs> Like, okay. He's just kind of blown away. And she tells him that he needs to take those shoes back to the dump immediately. (laughs) Okay, so... Where that trash belongs. (laughs) Right? So being that he's five, he's like, I don't really understand what the hell just happened. Right. Why I'm, like, in trouble. But he definitely did not take the shoes back to the dump. He just took them to his room and he hid them in his room. (laughs) Okay. And a while later, he gets caught again by his mom prancing around the house (laughs) in these (laughs) forbidden shoes. And she's had enough. So she rips the shoes off of him, takes him in the backyard, and lights him on fire. And makes him watch as she burns them. And then he is sent to his room (laughs) for, like, a long, long time. Okay. Okay. So I'm sure in his mind, he's just like, what the hell? (laughs) It's wrong with you lady seriously they're just shoes mom right i feel like i feel like had he had a different mom and it was just the hell did you get those shoes like yeah what are you doing and it was like not such a big deal i don't know i just wonder if it would have turned into what it yeah, turned I just, into yeah i just wonder what would have really really happened in his whole psyche yeah because he's so little at this point and this is such like a big memory for him yeah absolutely even as an adult like this thing is still like a really big incident in his life so once he's eventually let free from his room he goes to the home of a neighbor lady and i don't know what her name was but she was pretty and she was kind and she was really motherly to him and so he liked to pretend that she was his mother because even at this age he hated her he hated his mother so he spends a lot of his free time at this lady's house as much as he can he goes and hangs out there and gets you know Treated somewhat decent by this neighbor lady. But at this time, he also has another friend. And it's a little girl. And she's five as well. And although she was tired a lot and kind of, like, frail, 
and she was often too sick to play Jerry. Didn't mind, and he, like, thought of her as, like, his very best Aww. friend. Okay? But what he didn't know is this poor little girl was dying of tuberculosis. Oh, no. First of all, I don't, like, that's so <laughs> contagious. Yeah. I don't <laughs> How did he not die of tuberculosis? I don't know. I have no idea. When I read that, I was like, uh. <laughs> Excuse me, what? Maybe they just played, like, through the window. I don't know how that works, but apparently she was dying of tuberculosis, and she did end up passing away, which absolutely devastated Jerry. Oh, my gosh. Was, can you imagine? No. He was just, like, grief-stricken. Like, your best friend at yeah. that young age. Well, and if you aren't, like, your dad's never home, oh. and your mom's a giant bitch, like, this is the only, like, human you have in your life that's, like... Now, was this the neighbor... The lady that he pretended was his mom, is this her daughter or is this totally separate? totally separate. Okay. So, yeah, so he grieved for her for a long, long time. Now, the kind neighbor lady was also sick, and she um, suffered from... tuberculosis? (laughs) No. From the neighborhood kids? (laughs) Everyone in our neighborhood was so sick. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) My immune system was just really good. Um, But she was suffering from diabetes, and she was often too sick to allow Jerry into her home. But even as an adult, when he would speak of this time of his li- of his life, these events were all really intertwined. The shoe incident, the death of his friend, and the neighbor woman. It was, like, very specific to him, like, Aww. in his memory. And okay. he would speak of it often to people. Now, by the time he was in first grade, the Brutos family had moved to California. And Jerry had a very pretty teacher who always wore high heels. She also always had a second pair of high heels, either in her desk or in her bag, in case her feet got tired or she oh, had, no. like, a date. Okay. After school, right? She's like, her work hills and her fun hills. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jerry often found himself just, like, staring at her shoes. And he, I mean, he's six, right? Six, seven. He doesn't really know, but he does know that it's something that has to be kept secret. So one day, he just decides he's going to take his teacher's extra pair of shoes. Okay, and he's going to sneak them home. So he takes them, and he hides them under some blocks in class so that he can come back later and get them. But before the end of the day, someone in his class finds the shoes and turns them back into the teacher. Because they're a snitch. Snitches get stitches. (laughs) Right? Um, But it took Jerry several days before he finally confessed to taking the shoes and his teacher wasn't really mad, but she was just more confused. And was like, well, yeah, like, you know, like, listen, did you want, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah. She why was do just, you want my shoes? Yeah. She was just really confused. And she just like simply kind of asked him like, but why did you, why did you want my shoes? And this like humiliated Jerry and he just ran from the room. Oh, okay. So not only is he got some weird shoe thing going on and he knows it's it's not okay but he doesn't know why it's not okay but he just knows that like yeah his mom's just told him it's like the devil shoe yeah it's it's not okay but he also was a very sick child so he suffered from recurring bouts of measles sore throats and laryngitis he also had numerous surgeries on his fingers and toes and it's hard because he doesn't know exactly but they believe it was from fungal infections so his immune system was shit. His best friend had TB and he didn't catch it. I know. I know. And he also had That's issues bizarre. with the veins in his legs. 
And all Jerry was able to say as an adult was that his veins would balloon up and they weren't doing what they were supposed to. So he eventually had to have surgery to fix it. But he has no idea like what really was happening with them. He also suffered from severe migraines that would affect his vision and make him vomit. And the school thought due to his poor grades that he might need glasses. So they tested his IQ to see if that was also part of the problem. But he scored average, if not a little above. And although he seemed kind of slow at times and struggled to read and write, he wasn't intellectually disabled at all. Okay. The glasses didn't really help either because he would be plagued with these migraines throughout his entire life. Like really, really bad migraines his whole, whole life. So I can't even imagine because I get terrible migraines. Yeah. But we have such good medication now. Right. Back then they hadn't, they didn't have anything to treat it. You no. were just sick for like days. Yeah. Just puking and being miserable. Yeah. It sounds awful. Now, although Jerry's mom was a real bitch and she, he never saw his dad, he did actually get along well with his brother, which is surprising because she doted on Larry. You know, it was very much like, like there he was like the a favorite issue. No. And they got, they seemed to like get along really well. Okay. So which I thought was just kind That's of interesting because it usually is not how that dynamic goes. There was a time when both like Jerry or not Jerry, sorry, Larry and his father did come to Jerry and they were like, listen, she's never going to like you. So just like, stop, stop trying. Just like stay out of her way. Don't, you know, it's like they knew that she picked on him, but neither one of them dared say anything to her. Like she just totally like, can you imagine knowing your mom hates you and then having your dad and brother being like, listen, <laughs> this is never going to get better. Yeah. Your mom does really hate You're you. You're like the bane of her existence. So if you could just stay out of her way and make all of our lives yeah. easier. I think they just like, that'd felt, be great. I think they felt bad for him. And so they were just trying to like, be like, just stay out of her way. Like that way she won't be like mean to you. Just, That's you know, sad. so sad. So, so sad. Now, Jerry's obsession with high heels never wavered. One time, he was still pretty young, way before puberty age. The family had some friends over, and the friends had a daughter that was younger teenage years. She said she wasn't feeling well and asked if she could go lay down, so they let her go lay in Jerry's room. And while she was sleeping, Jerry came into the room, and he noticed that she was wearing some high heel shoes. (laughs) Now, the heel of one of these shoes was poking through the blanket that she was laying with. So, I'm guessing it was like an afghan or something. Okay. Okay. And this, like, weirdly turned him on. He got uber excited with this high heel heel poking out of this blanket. Okay. so weird. So, while she's sleeping, he tries to take her shoes off. (laughs) (laughs) And she wakes up and she's like the hell are you doing? Knock it off and get out of here. And so it should be noted here that his obsession with shoes was absolutely in full force before he Can you imagine even reached puberty. Being 13, going over to your friend's house for dinner and being like, I don't feel good. I'm going to go lie down. And then having their creepy like seven-year-old son like sneak into your room, watch you sleep, first of all. Right. Yeah. And then try and like take off your shoes i would yeah i would be like what are you like get out of here and it, what? Said it turned him on right yeah, he was so, like he was excited he didn't really understand though what what that, that meant. meant yeah 
but I wonder if he had like a boner. Yeah, I mean, so I have no she idea. wakes up and he's got <laughs> <So> a creepy <laughs> pitched a tent and is trying to take no. off your shoes. Mm-mm. Ew. Now, sex was a forbidden subject in his home. If you didn't well, already course, know that, sure. But he knew the way that he felt when he saw high heels was definitely not normal. <laughs> and it had to be like, hush, hush. <laughs> like, all of that this being is, said. This is making me feel some kind of way. <laughs> yeah, he knew, like, this is not normal, and I gotta, like, <laughs> keep quiet about this. Okay. But he really, like, still had no idea, like, what it meant. Only well, that, yeah, like, like, I'm sure he's never heard of anything like this, right? Because no. it's not, like, a super common thing, I'm sure, no. back in that. no. That day for no. sure. Yeah. Shoe foot fetish and then kind of stuff. No. You have somebody telling you it's like the devil shoe. Yeah. And how evil you are, but you can't help but get turned on. Right. And the fact that it's it like had that to forbidden be forbidden fruit. Yeah. The fact that it had to be a secret made it even more exciting for him. Yeah. Instead of it just being like, oh, it's not a big deal. Right. Now, the family moved once again when Jerry was a preteen. They moved back to Oregon. And at this point, he befriends a neighbor boy. And at times, he and Jerry would sneak into his sister's room, like the neighbor kid, okay, and play with the sister's underwear. Like, get in, like, look at her bras and her underwear and whatever, which probably is not too uncommon for preteen kind of boys to do, right? Like, normal preteen boys to be like, let's go look at your sister's bra or whatever. Like, because boys just like her boobies have been in here. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. I, I feel like even brothers, like, with sisters, it's just, it's For not, sure. it's just, like, a, it's so different. What, girls don't want to see boys underwear, because it's, like, whatever, stupid, but, like, bras and right lacy panties are it's just like, a little more exciting, right? Right. <laughs> but this is when Jerry's obsession expanded to include women's underwear, girdles, bras, all of that on top of the high heels. Okay. Okay. This poor boy. <laughs> yeah. And this, once again... Being another secret fueled his fire. So before Jerry was 13, they move yet again to a farm in Oregon. And at this point, it's 1952. Larry, his brother, is now 16. And he has the normal interest, like we were just saying, of like the woman's naked body, right? So his brother would collect pictures of like pinups and he would draw pictures of things like Lois Lane naked with, like, high heel <laughs> shoes, okay? Okay. And he kept all of these things locked up in, like, a little lockbox in his room. Well, Jerry sneaks in one time and finds them, but he gets caught with all of the stuff, like, looking at it all. And his brother's 16? Yeah. So Jerry's, like, 10? No, he's, like, um, like 13. Oh, okay. They're only, like, they're only about three years apart, yeah. Okay. He didn't want to turn his brother in because he knew that, you know, Larry was the golden child or whatever, and they would never right. believe it. And so... Like, mom he, already hates me, yeah. so... So he just... I'll take the Takes brunt. the blame yeah. for Larry's secret dirty cache of <laughs> <laughs> nasty drawings and whatnot, okay? Which probably, you know, further makes his mom just think he's a creeper. When Jerry is 16 is when he has his first wet dream. And it was super, like... Not until 16? I guess. I don't even know when boys are supposed to have those. They start at, like, 12. Do they? Oh, Yeah. Gosh. Not about that. Not about that. But <laughs> it really startled him, right? Because he's 16, and it's the, what would it be, like, early 50s? 
you know, that stuff's just not talked about. Like, no. You have no idea. So he gets kind of freaked out, and he's not even, like, really sure, like, what happened. He's, like, really no idea. And he was, like, wondered if other boys dealt with it. Like, do they know how to control it? And I don't know how to control it. It was, like, this... This reminds me of when we were younger, uh-huh. and we had a very a specific friend. I will not say his name. <laughs> Because I think he does listen, but he told us about how uh-huh. he woke up with his first wet dream and was like all freaked out by it yeah, because he's like, I didn't know like what, like, did I pee the bed? Like what yeah. happened? I don't know what this is. And yeah. like, you can't really talk about it to people. No. Yeah. It's, it's very taboo. Everything yeah. back then, I feel like anything sex related back then was so taboo anyway. Like, yeah, so bad. When Eileen finds out about it, she finds, she sees Jerry's sheets. And she knows what's happened. And then, of course, she flips out again, right? And yells at him and screams at him. And it's this huge thing. Like, he's just so dirty and gross. And she makes him hand wash his sheets. Then they have to hang him out to dry. And so then he's forced to sleep that night with no sheets because he apparently only has one set of sheets for his bed. That's so, like, that's so sad. It really is. And it it makes me wonder back then, too, like, if the moms even knew that that was, like, normal a normal thing that boys go through yeah because i feel like a lot of women back then didn't even talk to their husbands about this stuff like it was not like an open dialogue anything that was discussed so as a mom back then she probably was like what the hell Mm -hmm. you freaking creepo yeah especially since she already hated him and thought he was like the (laughs) devil yeah sex fiend (laughs) right but this is when he began to have some really like twisted visions of revenge So he begins to dig a tunnel in the side of a hill near his home. And his idea was that he was going to capture a girl and force her to live in this tunnel. Okay. At 16. Yeah. Okay. Now, once she was there, he was going to make her do whatever he wanted. But it was kind of sad because he didn't even really know what sex was. And so as he's, like, trying to fantasize this and he gets the girl in the the tunnel... (laughs) Then he's like, well, what would I have her do? Like, I don't, like... Model her shoes, of like, course. He, like, got... It was, like, this thing where he was, like, so excited about it. <laughs> but then, like, he didn't even, like, know about sex or, you know, so, like, any of that. Nothing. He was just like, well, what would I do with her once she was in there? But he did get super excited with just the idea of, like, a girl in there begging to be let free. Ew. Okay. Creepy. That is wrong on, like, so, so many levels. So many. That's like one of your first fantasies is yeah, tunneling up a <laughs> person, a female, and just making them beg to get let out. Yeah. That's literally your whole yeah. fantasy. Yeah. Ew. Creepy. So at this age, or at this point, he has started now breaking into the neighborhood homes and stealing the women's shoes and underwear. No. Okay. Okay. He keeps the stash, of course, hidden from Eileen. And the pale, soft, quiet boy of the neighborhood was never suspected of being the neighborhood thief. Right? Because he's just the like neighborhood this. neighborhood creepo. Yeah. Like, my house got broken into. What got stolen? Only some lacy underwear and my Jeez. high heels. Yeah. Creepy as that. Ew. Now, just before 17, the family moves to Corvallis, Oregon. Larry is now excelling in college, and Jerry's attending high school. Jerry's continued his thieving. And would often take the secret garments, like, out to fondle them, right? And oh. he would use them to masturbate, but he was never able to reach an orgasm. 
What? Yeah. So at this time, at 17, he had only been able to ejaculate in the form of a wet dream. How weird is that? Really weird. Bizarre, huh? Ew, why? I don't know. Bizarre, huh? So weird, because he would take the stuff out that he stole, and it would make him really excited. He would masturbate with it, but he, like, couldn't get there. Oh, I wonder if it was just some weird psychological Uh, thing that his mom was, like, in the back of his brain telling him how disgusting he he was and dirty and... Oh, I'm sure there's something... Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one day, he broke into... A neighboring home and stole the undergarments of an 18-year-old girl who lived there. And he was growing tired at this point of just having the underwear to look at. And he really, really wanted pictures of a naked girl. Because this, at, at this point, was something he had never seen. So he concocts a plan. Okay. Okay, so he approaches this girl, whose underwear he's already stolen, and tells her how he is working with the cops to catch this neighborhood thief. Shut up. Okay. He tells her that he knows who has done it and he can help her get her stuff back. And that the cops just said he would be the perfect, like, undercover person because he's young and whatever. And so she's kind of wary about it. Like, I know. But she wants her stuff back. And at the end of the day, like, Jerry wasn't an intimidating person. Right. He was pretty, like meek, kind of boring, kind of, you know, just like this little pale redheaded kid. And so she's like, "Eh, all right, like, I guess it can't hurt, right? So he invites her to his house on a specific night when he knows that everybody else in his house is going to be gone for an extended period. Okay. Okay. When the girl arrives, she like knocked the doors kind of open and she knocks and he calls from the upstairs bedroom, which is his room and says, you know, Hey, I'm up here. Just like, come on up. And so she starts heading up like the dark stairway gets to his room. Wait, did he tell her why she was there? Well, this was like, he was, this was the whole, I can help you get your stuff back. So that's why he so, had invited her over. So he invited her over to specifically, did he tell her like, I want to take a nude picture of you, no. or I want to see you nude. No. Or I no, can see... he's helping her get her stuff just back. Gonna, okay. He's he's the police informant that's helping her get her stuff back. Okay. Okay, so she gets there, she gets up to his room, and it's pretty dim in there, so she can't really see very well. And she's met by this tall man wearing a mask that has a knife. What? Okay. So he tells her, like, to take off all of her clothes... And so she does, just like what she's being told. At this point, he kind of, he pulls a camera out. And so she's like, okay, well, I don't, I don't think he's going to rape me. Like, at this point, she's like, okay, I think he just, it's like he's just wants pictures. So he proceeds to instruct her into different positions while he takes these nude photographs of her. Ew! Okay, some of them he's got, like, with partially clothed. Some of them are completely naked. And he just does them, like, pretty quick succession. And then he just leaves the room. Just, like, pieces out. So she throws her clothes on and she quickly, like, heads for the door. And as she's heading out, she runs into Jerry, who's standing there without a mask. And he's breathing real heavily. And he tells her that he was out by the barn and someone locked him in there. And he was just able to break out and ask her if she's seen any 
anybody in in the house. Like, has she seen anybody? And she knows that the masked man was Jerry. It wasn't like she was like, I knew it was him, 100%. But she just told him, like, no, I didn't see anybody. And and just, like, got out of there as quick as she what? could. What? But he was tall, so he was wearing high heels, maybe? No, he's taller. He's, oh, he's... he's a tall kid. When he's an adult, he's over six feet. So he's not, like, super short. Okay. So after this event, and no one comes around to get mad at him or, you know, the police or, like, nobody ever comes, he's like, sweet, got away with that. That was super fun, super easy, right? He goes and he develops the film. And this was the first time he really gets to see a naked girl. Because during the whole event, he was so, like, in such a hurry and so focused on, like, getting it done that he didn't really, like, take in what she looks like. enjoying the moment. No, no. He was just trying to get it done. And so once he develops these pictures, he's, like, enamored. Just, like, looking at these pictures very regularly while also playing with, like, girls' underwear. It's just this huge excitement for him, right? One little more of an escalation. Okay. About eight months after this incident, the pictures weren't really doing it for him like they did in the beginning. He had... Like, at this point, they really were, like, kind of smeared. They were tattered. Like, they had 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 seen seen better better days. days. Yeah. So, one night, he lures a 17-year-old girl to get into his car. And as soon as she gets in, on the ruse that, like, he's giving her a ride home, right? Yeah. He immediately begins talking to her as if they're on a date. And the girl's, like, super confused. Like, what? <laughs> like, I just need to ride home, She's like, dude. I only accepted this, like, offer of, like, a short ride home. Why is he talking to me, like, we're on some date? And she begins to panic when he, like, stops talking and just starts focusing, like, drive, like, his head's just looking forward. He's driving, and he's driving farther and farther away from the direction of her home. He pulls into a driveway of, like, an old home off of the main road with, like, super overgrown shrubbery on the outside. Did it say if he knew this girl? He did not. No. Okay. He pulled her from the car and just begins to beat her (gasps) outside of the car. He's punching her repeatedly in the face and the breasts. And she's trying to scream, even though it seems like there's nobody for, like, miles, right? But he just continues to rain punches down on her face. And she continued to fight. Even as he's ripping clothes from her body, she kicked and screamed. Fortunately for her, there was a couple who lived in a farm just nearby that house. And they happened to be driving by and heard her screaming. Oh, my gosh. So they pull into the driveway behind Jerry's car and they get out. And Jerry tries to say that, like, oh, she just fell out of the car and she's just really frightened. And she's, like, shaking her head, like, violently at them because she can't really speak. And she, but she's shaking her head to them, like, no. Like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not what, what happened. Please help me. And so then he's like, well, actually, this guy attacked her and I had just pulled over to help. And this guy took off through the trees. <gasps> and the couple, thankfully, did not, like, they didn't, weren't feeling the vibe of Jerry. And yeah. they were like, ah. Let us just take her back to our house. We live real close. We can call the police. And eventually they're able to coax him into letting them take her. But the weird thing is, is that he also goes with them. What? So he goes 
he follows this couple to their house with this girl. Okay, they get there. The couple calls the Oregon State Police. The police show up. And once they arrive, Jerry admits, okay, I did I did it. What? Why nope. would you not just flee at that point? I don't know. I don't know. I okay. think, honestly, because he is such a raving narcissist, I really think that he believed that they believed him and that, like, he was just trying to help. And so, sure, I'll go with you to your house and let's call the police. He didn't think that it would that it would really play out this way. But then once the police got there and they're like, mm, are you sure? Then he's like, all right, you got me. Like, ma'am. Was this this guy? Yeah. Or did a guy really just beat the shit out of you and then he pulled up to help? Yeah. It's not going to be hard to figure out that you did it, Jerry. Yeah. (laughs) You would think, right? So Jerry admits, he admits to (laughs) beating the girl in hopes that it would make her take her clothes off so he could take pictures of her. Because that's the way, Jerry, that's how you get pictures of naked girls is you beat the living shit out of them. So that they'll take their clothes off. Yeah, that makes total sense. If I'm getting beat up, that's the first thing I'm going to do is strip. Right? That makes total sense. Now, he denies he's ever done anything like this before. But the police are a little skeptical. And they ask to go back to his house and take a look around. And he allows them to. So they get to his house, they search his room, and they find his treasure trove. Oh, no. Of women's shoes, underwear, and the photos of that other girl that he had taken previously. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Right. Now, like always, he has an excuse for the pictures. He said that they were taken by another boy and he that he had just developed them because the kid threatened him that he, like, if he didn't develop these pictures, that he was going to, whatever, hurt him or whatever. Okay. Okay. This is not the first, this is not the last time that he uses this excuse, just so you know. Nonetheless, he was arrested. He was arrested for assault and battery. Good. He is sent to Polk County Juvenile Detention, where they do start an investigation. And a review of the case and the testimony from the 18-year-old girl in the first set of photos led police to believe that Jerry had much bigger problems than just your average 17-year-old delinquent. So he is then committed to Oregon State Hospital for evaluation and treatment in 1956. Now, he sat and talked with psychologists at the hospital, telling them that he was a sophomore in high school, that he enjoyed sports, but he didn't like to push people around or be pushed around, so he never tried out for any of them. His hobbies included working on radios, electronics, he was in Boy Scouts and 4-H, and he seemed really mild-mannered. And when they tried to talk to him about any sexual experiences or lack thereof that he had, he would get super flushed, like super, super red and not make eye contact and just get super uncomfortable when they would, you know, bring up the subject of sex. He'd stated that he'd never had any experiences with girls and that the only form of ejaculation he'd experienced was in his wet dreams. He did admit to the doctors that he took the so pictures. still, even at this point, yeah, with the nude pictures, he can't Mm-mm. get off. Nope. So he does admit to doctors that he did take the pictures of the neighbor girls, but the doctors really struggled to give him a diagnosis. One doctor wrote on April 16th, 1956, quote, the boy does not appear to be grossly mentally ill. He comes shyly into the interview situation and sits down in dejected fashion to talk with great embarrassment about his difficulty. 
It is difficult for him to form any relationship with the examining physician, although he does warm up slightly through the course of the interview. He is precisely oriented in all spheres. Speech rate, thought rate, and psychomotor activities are within normal limits. Flow of thinking is relevant, logical, and coherent. He tends to be evasive on a basis of his acute embarrassment and is somewhat rambling and verbose in trying to tell a story. He appears to be somewhat depressed at the present time, and his predominant mood would appear to be of depressed, dejected embarrassment. His effect is appropriate to thought content. There is no evidence of suicide, homicide, or destructive urges. He feels that sometimes has trouble control- he has trouble controlling his temper, but that it has never gotten him into trouble except on this last occasion, when he maintains that he cannot remember too clearly exactly what he did, but was told the girl received a broken nose. There is no evidence of hallucinations, delusions, or illusions. He denies any sense of fear except over what is going to happen to him, and he says he has some sense of guilt over having got into trouble, but does not feel particularly guilty over having taken the photographs. Intellectually, he is functioning well within the limits of his educational background. His insight and judgment are questionable. He feels that there must be something the matter with him, and he hopes that he will be able to find out and have it cured here. Oh, Okay. So he's essentially just sad he got caught. Yeah. That's it. Doesn't feel guilty about any of the things no. that happened. No. He's just mad he got caught because he was a dumbass. Yeah. But that's sad that he, like, knows something's wrong with him and wants help. Yeah. I mean, he, he I mean, he knows that, like, all of these hoping. things he's doing is not, like, normal, right? He knows yeah. it's got to be secret. But he doesn't really know why. Hmm. I don't think anybody ever really knows why, but... So the diagnosis at this time was adjustment reaction of adolescence with sexual deviation fetishism. Okay. <laughs> so take that with what you will, because I'm like, oh, I don't even really so know what that means. So he's pretty normal, but he's got deviant sexual fantasies. <laughs> right? And yeah. fetishes. Now, while a patient at the hospital, he was allowed to attend high school like normal. So he'd go to school during the day and then just be there at night. Oh, this wasn't, like, a separate school for... No. Inmates, he'd go to, like, public school. He went to his regular high school. Interesting. He was tall. He was pudgy. He suffered from severe acne. But he was brilliant in science and mathematics. But somehow, literally no one can remember Jerry Brudos. Neither teacher nor classmate (gasps) had any recollection of the boy even after his infamy. What? How sad is that? Not one... Person. No, they, like, the thing I was reading said, like, they tried to, like, find people. His defense attorney actually found out after he became his attorney that they were in the same homeroom in school and he had no recollection of it. Shut them. up. <laughs> How weird is that? How sad. And it said that, like, he was really, really brilliant in math and science and still none of his teachers took notice or noticed him or, like, anything. He was literally, like, a walking ghost. That is terrible. Sad, huh? That makes my heart hurt. Yeah, it's really, really, really sad. Like, okay, even, like, if you're an introvert and you may have, like, one or two people, he had literally nobody even noticed him. No. Nobody even not, cared that yeah, he was He's not gone. noticed at home. He's not noticed at school. Like, wow. Sad, huh? That's really sad. Now, Jerry spoke often with doctors at the hospital. 
And while he was there, they did give him a second diagnosis of borderline schizophrenic reaction. Borderline on... schizophrenic reaction? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, one thing I read said it was kind of a catch-all back then. It's like a diagnosis. Though he was at the hospital for a considerable time, his parents were adamant that he not be released until he was completely cured of whatever was plaguing him. Because <laughs> they were pretty upset when he got in trouble. But much to their chagrin, after nine months at the state hospital, he was sent home. The hospital stated that he was nothing more than immature and needed to grow up a little, but that he was not a danger. Okay. Okay. So, they do this whole diagnosis of him having, like, some deviation, fetishism, now schizophrenia. He's good. But he's fine. He's just immature. You just need to grow up a little bit. Like, stop being so immature. Just let him get some years under his belt and some life experiences (laughs) and he'll be fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's just immature. Okay, grow up, Jerry. Grow up. Now, once he's home, it's apparent that he was not missed in the least bit. No, I'm sure his mom was like, please, just keep him there forever. Right, yeah. Until I don't have to deal with him anymore. until he's out of high school, and then he can just go away. He did return to high school, and he ended up graduating 142 out of 202 in his class, with a grade point average of 2.1. Okay. So despite being what they said, a brilliant mind above average in in some of his subjects, he did not do well in school. For whatever reason. And that maybe could have just been, like, laziness. Like, nobody gives a shit, so why should I? I have no idea. Now, he did go on to Oregon State University for a bit, and then Salem Technical Vocational School, among a myriad of other post-secondary schools, before enlisting in the Army on March 9th, 1959. Well, in the Army, he became convinced that a Korean woman kept breaking into his barracks and climbing into bed with him and fondling him. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. So this, like, this maybe, like, schizophrenia (laughs) might come in here. Okay. And he said that he hated her and he didn't want her in his bed and that he would beat her to get her out of bed. But eventually he realized that, like, no one ever commented on the commotion of him beating the shit out of this Korean woman every night, sneaking into his bed. And started to think that maybe she was not real. Oh, just that, that clued him in. <laughs> Took him a minute, but she was, he was like, wait a minute. No one's ever like, I mean, the hell are you doing, really Jerry? Have, like <laughs> schizophrenic tendencies. Like yeah. that shit can seem very real. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so after visiting the army chaplain, he's referred to the army psychologist, who then recommends he be discharged due to being unfit. <laughs> the psychologist Dude, is you like, uh, that's not, that, you, you need to just go home. I mean, I guess if you're going to have hallucinations, why not have a lady fondling you? Right? I mean, why? Sneak in to fondle me every night. I don't know why he was so upset about it. Do it. It's not what he wants. That's like literally every guy's fantasy. Some naked woman in bed fondling him. Right? Now he's 20 and he has to move back home. So when he first gets home, he's given the second bedroom. Um, that was Larry's because he's at college, but within not very much time, Larry comes home. When that happens, Jerry is then sent to live in a shed on the property. A shed? A shed on the property. Oh, okay. Because Larry comes home from college. They're like, listen, golden child's back, you out back. Yeah. You're in the shed. Yeah. 
So at this point, he just tries How to stay. Sad. I know, it's really sad. He just tries to stay away from home as much as possible to avoid any interactions with his mom. And one evening, he's in Salem, and he's out there to run an errand, and he sees this pretty girl, and she's walking in this, like, flashy red outfit, and he is just enamored. Her clothes are flashy, her shoes are flashy, and so he begins to follow her, okay? And he follows her, and she has no idea that he's, like, right behind her, Mm -hmm. and as she enters the foyer of a building, he attacks her. Mm-hmm. He wraps his hands around her neck and he strangles her until she falls to the floor, semi-conscious. And he stands there for a minute, looking at her, like, trying to kind of decide what he wants to do before just taking off her shoes and runs. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. It's not funny because this poor woman was attacked, but it's so... But of all the things, like, weird. How, I'm going to snatch your shoes if I and was run. attacked and someone strangled me, and then I woke up and was like, you just wanted my fucking shoes? Like, just ask just take my, my damn, damn shoes. shoes. <laughs> like, what? I would have given them to you. Right? Would have been like, here, creeper, have my shoes. You don't like, need to strangle me. It's almost more creepy than, like, an actual, like, real violent assault mm-hmm. to just, like, take my, like, it's such a creepy thing. It is so creepy. So weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Then another time he's in Portland, he sees another woman, and this woman he stalks, like, all day long. Once he gets to where he's going to attack her, he does the same thing. He strangles her, but this time she fights back. And so he's only able to get away with one of her shoes. (laughs) Because she put up a fight. Because she beat him with the other one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, after these attacks, okay... He would take the shoes home and he would sleep with them. Ew. Like little teddy bears. Ew. But he was gaining confidence the more he did this kind of stuff, the more he got away with it. And now he went and he got his FCC license so that he could work at a radio station. Because he was really into like electronics and like radios and that kind of stuff. So he does go, he gets... His FCC license, and he works as an operating engineer at the Corvallis radio station. At this point, he loves his job, and he's made some friends at work. And so life's kind of going pretty good for him, aside from the, like, creepy shoe stealing and whatever. But, like, socially, his life is doing okay, better than it has in the past. He's now 23, and he's still a virgin. And all he really wants is just a woman, like a woman of his own. One that he a could just... A woman of his own. That yeah. sounds so freaking creepy. creepy. huh? He wanted one that would just literally do anything that he pleased. Would welcome him home every night. Would, you know, be okay with all of his sexual advances at all times. Like I mean, he who would... doesn't want that? <laughs> I mean, right? Let's be real. Yeah. Is that real life? I mean, maybe back then, because men could really get, like, these wives that would be, like, so submissive because they were, like, abused into it. But nowadays, you're hard-pressed uh, to find yeah. some woman that's going to be like, anything you want, dear. Yeah, for real. Now, Good since, luck. <laughs> since Jerry was so socially inept, he had a really hard time with the ladies. He had a hard time even talking to one. He gets this idea. Okay, so there's this boy, and from it doesn't ever say his age, but it sounds like he is fairly young that comes into the station all the time. Okay, and he like follows Jerry around, kind of like watches what he does for work. I don't know if it was just like a neighborhood boy. I have no idea because I don't really say, but he's this young boy who comes in and he's always asking Jerry questions all, just all the time, like about what he's doing, how he's doing it, why he's doing it, whatever. 
So one day, Jerry decides to ask this boy if he knows anybody, like any girls that he could date. Okay. So this boy, like, super happy to, like, help Jerry, introduces him to 17-year-old Darcy Metzler. Now, in some of the stuff I read, her name is Darcy. In other stuff, it's Ralphine. What? It is very different. It's not even close. So... Darcy or Ralphine? I'm not sure, but we're going with Darcy on this one. Um, the book that I read, they called her Darcy. I have no idea. Ralphine? Is Ralphine. that even a name? Yeah. It was something else I was looking at. I was like, kept saying Ralphine, and I was like, who the hell's Ralphine? It was. <laughs> it was Darcy, and so whatever. Okay. Okay, now Darcy had no idea just how bad of an idea this blind date meeting was going to be. And that in the very end, she would be very, very sad that she ever had this encounter. Mm. But at first, Darcy was not really impressed with Jerry at all. He was nothing like the boys that she usually dated. She usually dated, like, really handsome guys that were, like, popular, jocks, whatever. Like, that was kind of her thing. Then she meets this kind of, you know, just, like, super pale, freckly, blue-eyed kind of nerdy yeah awkward guy yeah but she said he was a lot of fun and he made her laugh okay and he was six years older than her okay okay so he was older and she was really impressed by his job so he showered her with gifts and he made her feel really beautiful and most of all her parents did not like him so <laughs> so bonus how do you push her? her yeah how do you push your daughter closer to her boyfriend you don't like is by hating him right of course now jerry was very very jealous but at the time darcy being a very stupid 17 year old found it endearing and she felt like that it meant he loved her and that she felt very protected by his jealousy as most of us do right so within six weeks darcy is pregnant <gasps> And the couple was Six married. weeks? Because Darcy knew she was going to not, she was never going to be able to be with him <gasps> and get married because her parents wouldn't. Unless she allow, was knocked up? Unless she was pregnant. And oh. so that's what they went for. It was a very purposefully done act. And she was very fertile. <laughs> wow. So here we are. And this is like one of his first sexual encounters. I mean, it's his first woman, yeah. So in 1962, the couple gave birth to their first child. It was a little girl named Megan. So Megan Brutus. And for the first, like, three years of their marriage, Darcy was really happy. She, everything was perfect. Jerry was super sweet. He was a good husband. He did have a really hard time keeping a job, but he always found one with ease. And so it didn't really bother her that he would change jobs a lot. He was always able to find another Because at least he was working. He spent lots of money on gifts for her, and he continued to be kind and loving. But what she didn't know at the time was that any time she did or said something that would upset her husband, he would then go out at night, prowling the neighborhood, (gasps) and stealing women's shoes and underwear to make himself feel better. Ew. Ew. Now, she has no gauge on what is normal sexually, right? She's never been with anybody but him. So up until Megan was a toddler, whenever the couple were home, they were naked. What? He made her be naked all the time. They would just sit around doing normal things just naked? She had to clean the house in only a pair of high heel shoes. Mm. And he insisted that he allow 
or she allow him to take nude photos of her whenever he wanted. Now, I am all for, like, if you want to have a fun day or, like, a whatever, like, hey, I'm going to clean the house in high heels for you, Absolutely. like, a thing. But where it's something where, like, this is what you have to do. We all need some of these, like, naked days as long as it's <laughs> something you both want. I'm a lot more naked when the couple days when my kids are at their dad's house because yeah. I kind of like to be naked. But if it was something where I had to do this, I would be like, okay, well, you can just <laughs> screw up. Yeah. Because I am not going to sit around naked just because and you've decided. And girls who are listening to this, that is not okay. <laughs> it's, it's not normal. It's Please not. don't ever have somebody tell you you have to do something. Yeah. Especially. Sexually yeah, or, especially, or otherwise. I feel like especially sexually. Like, don't ever feel like a man, like, you have to do anything for them sexually to please them no. or whatever. Because they say that, you know, if you don't, whatever, this or this. Like, yeah. Someone that you're with should be very, I'll like... i up with you if you don't try this. Yeah. It's total bullshit. Don't should, listen and actually just run. Just yeah. say, great, I'm yeah. out of this relationship. They be it's very, not healthy. They should be very respectful of anything uh, that you want to do, whether you want to or don't want to do it. Right. And they should be okay with that. Anywho, so, she did not really like this, and she didn't really like the pictures. Like, especially the pictures. It really was upsetting for her because she didn't want other people to see these pictures right right? so he did develop pictures himself but he could only develop the black and white photos okay i don't know what i don't know the difference in like developing pictures or maybe it's a solution that you have have to have to develop color photos as opposed to black and white but back then he could develop the black and white photos himself and so she was more okay with those ones because he would take them and then he would be the one developing them and they would just be in the house yeah but when he wanted the color photos They had to take them to a store and someone else had to develop them. But he would insist that he, if he took pictures of like nature, like at the beginning of the role and at the end of the role, that's all the people looked at and they would never pay attention to what was in the middle. Right. Uh, So uh that's what he would like tell her to make her feel better about it. Feel better. Even though she was just still didn't feel comfortable with it, Mm. but he would have her pose Doing things like be naked and like sitting on their daughter's trike, her boobs hanging over like the handlebars. Ew. Okay. And it really creeped her out. And like he would have her ride the little trike towards him naked. They would take pictures. These are the kind of stuff that he wanted. It wasn't just like a, hey. Ew. Can you, can you no, imagine? No. Cody's like, hey, I have a fun idea for a photo <laughs> shoot. And he, and he is someone who has taken lots of naked pictures of me like he's very much a but his are more of like a don't move like i'm changing my clothes and i'm like like that's gross i don't don't need pictures of that but if it was something where it was like i want you to go get the kid's scooter and ride ride around around the house house. i'd be like no no Uh -uh." and put your boobs over the handlebars (laughs) and maybe jiggle jiggle them a little bit and oh yeah i like that that right there no Nope. Gross. Nope. No. Not, not about any of that. Nope. Mm-mm. So. And if you're into that, great. That <laughs> would mean, not be my. Yeah. If you're two consenting adults, you have at it. Do whatever you, photo shoots yeah, you, you want. you do. But she didn't feel that way. Like, she was not. Uh, she, you know, it made her feel uncomfortable. It made her feel weird. And so that's when it's not okay. If you're two consenting adults, you, yeah. have, you do what you want to do. You're right. Keep your life however you want it. Now, little did she know, as much as those pictures made her uncomfortable, one day those pictures would be seen 
by so many people as evidence in a courtroom. Now, Jerry was a really distant father with Megan, which was pretty upsetting for Darcy. He really had wanted nothing to do with her. But at the end of the day, that might have been the best yeah or megan because she did have one parent that was very attentive darcy was a really good mom well and i mean in his defense he never had any attention paid to him by anybody so he probably has no idea what he's supposed to do like he probably has no idea how to even love a child or be involved in a child's life one of them attention who knows no one really knows but he wasn't a great dad um, and he also kind of follow- followed in his father's footsteps by moving the family pretty much, like, every year. Mm. And Darcy hated it. She just wanted, like, a house where they could just live and yeah. she could have a garden and, you know, like, they could just raise her child. be there. Yeah. But Jerry saw this as very normal, which I can understand because I had a mom who was bipolar and we did move a lot. And I remember when I was first an adult and I was living with... Shane and it, I would get this like itch to move. It's weird because it was just I think so ingrained. I was just so used yeah. to like moving a lot, and I had to kind of get used to being like in What's one place that? for yeah. one time. Now I'm a person. Where I'm like I don't want to move. Like that's terrible. It's the worst thing ever. Like right. I don't want to, but I do remember getting that itch to move for <laughs> no apparent Ugh. reason because you just it's like so normal for you. Yeah, it's weird. Now weirdly, Darcy does become pregnant again, but this time Jerry's like super super excited. And he just knew in his head this was going to be a little boy. And he was going to do everything the right way, right? He felt kind of that somehow, like, having a son would release him from all of these bad things that he had done. Okay. Okay. Now, he could not wait for the birth. And he was excited to be in the delivery room and watch his son, like, emerge into the world. Okay, so he and Darcy had talked to about him, like, being in the delivery room. He was super excited. But when it came to the day of his son's birth, he was given strict orders by the doctor that he was not to be allowed in the delivery room. Oh, why? When Darcy comes home after the birth and Jerry asks her, like, why he wasn't allowed in the delivery room, even though they had discussed it beforehand, Darcy told him that she didn't think it was appropriate for him to see another man play with her while she was giving birth. What? Okay, so the way, I guess, from my understanding was that the way he kind of talked about this kind of stuff and the way, like, men and, and, you know, he was really jealous all the time, um, she felt like just what the doctor was going to be doing to her during the birth, that Jerry would feel like it was inappropriate and then it would cause a huge thing. And so she didn't want him to, like, see any of that. Okay, but can we not put it that way? Right? I feel the same way. Like, it's so creepy. That is... Your doctor it, shouldn't be playing with you. Uh, nobody's <laughs> doctor should be playing with you in general, and especially not while you're giving birth. No, no. Like, let's reword that, Darcy. Yeah. Especially but, to your jealous husband. Yeah. Ew. But when she told him this, he literally broke down into tears and, like, could not be consoled. Oh. Okay, it devastated him. Because he really wanted to be there. So, he did what all grieving husbands would do, and he went out that night and stole some panties (laughs) to make himself feel better. (laughs) But that was not enough. Oh, no. 
So while in Portland, he sees a woman wearing a beautiful pair of shoes, and he decides that he's going to follow her to her home. Okay. Okay, so he's never done this before. He decides he's going to follow her to her home and then attack her inside her house. So he literally watches her for hours. Mm. All day long as she goes about her normal day. He followed her on the bus. He then watches her. She enters her apartment and then he waits. And he sees like what window is hers and he waits until he is sure that she's asleep. He then breaks into her house and as he's going in there, he knows like all he wants is her shoes. Just her shoes. But he felt like super excited knowing that he could see her asleep as he's kneeling in her bedroom, rummaging through her closet, looking for her shoes. Okay, like he's just, this whole thing now is like one more step up, right? Now he's invaded someone's home and he's in the same room as them taking their stuff. Whereas before he would take stuff, nobody was there, right? Or attack him on the street. But now he's like upped it again. But while he's doing this, she wakes up and sees this strange man kneeling on her floor. And before she knows it, he is up and he is at her bed and he wants to stop her before she's able to turn the lamp on. He doesn't want her to see his face. Right. So he strangles her. She quickly goes limp. And now all he has to do is get her shoes and leave. But something came over him and he gets an erection, the biggest erection he's ever had. And that's when he decides he's going to rape her. So once he's finished, he takes her shoes and he leaves. And these, to Jerry, by far were the best shoes he had stolen so far. sure. In his realm of stealing shoes. Do you feel like it's because, one, he had now had intercourse and knew what that release was? Mm -hmm. That he was able to suddenly get hard and with this position or like that's why it escalated into a rape i don't know i mean i think just i mean as we watch him over time it just eventually gets there right eventually just attacking the girl on the street wasn't good enough so he's like i'm gonna go in her house and this just was like such an exciting thing stealing these shoes but she's right here and like it's just this whole thing and then he strangles her, and now he has just this body. They're not outside, right? Because before he'd attack these women, he'd strangle them like they're outside. Yeah. So he's got, like, a limited amount of time before people could be there. This is so creepy. Like, on just so many levels. But then so when creepy. you think of, like, these poor women, this guy, unbeknownst to her, had been following her all day. the whole day. Yeah. And then she gets into her home where she feels nice and safe. And then this happens. Yeah. And Ugh. all he took was your shoes? I just hate this. I hate these He stories. didn't even just, like, rape you and leave. Like, he took your damn shoes? Yeah. Like, the shoe thing is just, it's so, it's so weird weird to me. Yeah. So weird. And it, it has to be, I know that there's a lot of people with foot fetishes. Like, that's a very big market, right? Absolutely. But when it comes to, like, killers and serial killers, like, this is not a thing. This no. is not, like, something we see all the time where, like, no. shoes are involved and, like, the foot, like, fetish thing is involved with this. Like, it's such a bizarre yeah. thing. Like, in this realm. And, like, the killer side, you know? It's very normal for fetishes in general. But, yeah, it's just so... It's just weird. Yeah, it is so weird. weird. Now, 1967 was turning out to be quite the year. And before it was over, 
he would suffer an injury at work that would have killed most men, but he survived. He got electrocuted. What? What? 480 volts through his body. He suffered only burns and a slight cervical injury that would linger throughout the rest of his life. Okay. This guy has like nine lives. Like you didn't die from TB. You don't die (laughs) from getting electrocuted. (laughs) Yeah. What the hell? Because at this point, and I didn't really put in, he does change jobs a lot. Like, and I did kind of say that before. So at this point, I believe he's working as an electrician and that is something he does for a large portion of his free adult life. Okay. (laughs) Is work as an electrician. But yeah, he gets freaking electrocuted and people talked about like how they were just blown away. Like people. No pun intended. <laughs> that he didn't have Did more it. injury than just yeah. some minor burns. That's, yeah. Weird, huh? Okay. Now, by this time, he had beat women. He'd strangled them. He had stolen more underwear than one could count. And now he had Ew. raped a woman. Ew. But he had never killed. He'd not even come close. Okay. Until 1968. It was just all about the shoes and the underwear. Mm-hmm. When Linda Slauson showed up at his home selling encyclopedias. Oh, no. Linda Catherine Slauson was born on January 7th, 1949 in Minnesota. She was the fourth of six children. And in 1968, she was living in Portland, Oregon with her mother, her brother David, and her sisters Barbara and Teresa. She was 19 and she had just started working for a company doing door-to-door sales selling encyclopedias. On January 26, the weather was bleak and rainy like many days were in Portland. Despite the weather, Linda was dressed nicely because she liked to dress that way. She felt it gave her customers a better impression of her. But now her feet hurt, and it was the end of the day, and she was really second-guessing the high heels that she had been wearing. Oh, no. When she got off the bus, she pulled out the slip of paper with the address on it to where she was supposed to go to sell these encyclopedias because they would make appointments. Okay. And then she would go. But the rain immediately smeared the ink, and now she was having a hard time deciphering the numbers. Was it 1541 or 1551? Maybe 1451? She really couldn't tell, and she didn't really know what to do. So she just began walking in the direction of those addresses. When she sees a man who is outside in his yard. She approaches him, and she states that she's supposed to have a meeting with someone to show them encyclopedias, but that she was unsure of the address, and she was wondering if maybe, like, this was the right place. The man smiled and invited her in as though he had been expecting her. Now, she begins towards his front door when he grabs her by the arm and states that there are too many people in the house and that it would be much quieter and they'd be able to talk a lot easier if they went into his office right which was essentially there was a garage at this house that he had like kind of a workshop in as well okay Okay. um once inside he pulls a stool up for her to sit on and he begins talking to her about the books now she's looking through her bag to pull the books out to show him he moves behind her to turn on a lamp the next thing she knew he had bludgeoned her from behind with a two by four He then strangled her until she was completely lifeless, all while his mother and daughter were upstairs. He went upstairs. While his mother and daughter? Yeah, so his mom would come visit and, like... Oh. Yeah. The mom that hated him? Yeah, and that he hates. 
But he, like, borrows money from her. He drives her car sometimes. Like, it's, you know, one of those relationships. Kind of like Ed Kemper and his mom. Like, they literally hated each other, but he lived with her and, you know, (laughs) whatever. So he goes upstairs because he wants extra time alone with this new fangled thing he'd just done, right? First kill, he's kind of excited. So he gives his mom some money and tells her to take herself and his daughter out to get hamburgers for dinner. To eat there, take their time, and just bring him something home when they're finished. So once they're gone, he heads back downstairs, full of excitement. He just stares at Linda. When he gets Mm -hmm. interrupted again by a friend of the family who he had given a key to for whatever reason. And this guy had just walked in the house and was calling for him. So he runs upstairs, takes him about 10 minutes to, like, get this guy to go away. He tells him he's making nitroglycerin. What? <laughs> what? <In> his garage. <laughs> and so he's too busy to talk because he's in the middle of making nitroglycerin. Okay. And so the friend leaves. He's able to head back downstairs. And at this time, he undresses Linda's body and he takes her underwear. He then puts them back on her, clipping her bra and her girdle and all the little, like, nuances is, like, very exciting for him. Ew. Okay. He loved it. He, in fact, did this over and over again for hours, like dressing and undressing her. For hours? hours. His family didn't come home? They did, but they left him. They just left him alone? So now because this was not planned, he didn't have any film for his camera, so he was unable to get any pictures, and he was pretty upset about that. But he did do this, like, all night long. And he, when his mom and daughter returned home, he did go upstairs. He had dinner. His wife is home at this point, and he tells her that he has a project that he's working on in his workshop and told her to just go to bed and that he would be up when he was finished. Mm. She goes to bed. He goes back down. Okay. Um, He's continuing to put her in different shoes, like all from his collection, right? So he has this collection of underwear. Like a doll. Yeah. Yep. Can you imagine his wife finding out later? Yeah. That this is what happened? Yeah. She's, it's pretty devastating for her. Yeah. He poses her body in different provocative positions. And finally, once he's done, he takes a hacksaw and he cuts off her left foot right at the ankle. Okay. Okay. He keeps the foot inside the shoe because he said it didn't look right without it. What? And he kept Linda's foot in a free- in a freezer that he had in the workshop there for some time. He would take it out to model different shoes and for him to masturbate to. Ew. He then took Linda's body, weighted it down with an engine head, because he liked to work on cars, so he had like a shit ton of car parts. And he threw her body into the Willamette River. Ew. Okay, now this marks his first murder. And it was so exhilarating that he knew this would not be the last. Oh. By the fall of 1968, his marriage was pretty strained. Darcy wasn't as submissive as she used to be when they were first married. And she wasn't as attentive to him as, as she used to be. But he still ran the home with an iron fist. One topic of contention between the two of them was that Darcy was not allowed in his workshop. Like, in the garage at all. Uh, well, yeah, he's got... Body parts and... No, she wouldn't have given much thought to it because I think back Mm. then men just kind of, you know, had their thing, whatever. But their freezer was in there and that's where, like, their food was. 
Okay. No. But Jerry just told her that she could tell him what she needed for dinner and then he would get it out. But that she was to not go in there. Also, people who are listening, this is, we've talked about this before. This is a huge red flag. It if you is. have I a don't spouse know. that tells you like, hey, you are absolutely forbidden to go into this room. <sighs> I you don't... go into that goddamn room and right? find out what they're hiding because right? they are hiding I mean, something. I, I do know it was a different time and women and men and women, like husband and wife was just a very different um, relationship than we have now where like men told their wives don't do this and they just didn't do it. Yeah. And they just ignored my husband. I know is sleeping with his secretary, but I just ignore that. And we still say like, we're nowadays we're like, what the hell? Right. <laughs> like you have a secret like, room. Wait, well, what? when you're gone, I'm going in your secret room. Right. Okay. But he did, he did tell her she's not allowed in there. She can't go into his cause Within the garage and workshop, he also, like, he had, it's kind of divided up. So he had, like, a dark room in there, too. That's where he would develop his pictures. And he told her that if she came in there, he could potentially be, like, developing film, and then she would ruin it all. So she just needed to stay out. Okay. There was an intercom system. He would ask her to use that to call in there to him if she needed anything. I mean, that wouldn't make me as suspicious if he was, like... Yeah, you can talk to him while I'm in there. Like, hey, I have to have a dark room. Yeah. Like, you can't be interrupted you yeah. like you can't come in or my pictures will be lost yeah because that makes a little bit of sense mm-hmm. ew i don't like this now he had this grandiose idea though of having this like large sex i don't know what else to call it but, like a dungeon right like a place where he could bring these captured victims that would do whatever he wanted for them at any given time he could photograph them dress them up rape them and then when he was finished, he was going to kill him. He was going to keep him in these large freezers so that he could forever play with them. Ew. Now, this like, would never come to fruition because he did know that, like, it would be a lot of money and time, right? But his next victim would come later that year in November of 1968. And this, I believe, is where we'll stop this part. Okay. And we'll get through all the rest of his murders and capture and trial on the next part i hate feet i mean i'm not a person who's like my mom hated feet i I hate hate feet feet, but i don't like them i don't find them attractive i don't like i don't want your feet by my face like i don't i think they're so gross and i've never been one that's like like obsessed over shoes me either so this just (laughs) bizarre yeah it's not something that I wrap my head around. Yeah. At all. I even have a hard time, like, you know, like, my boyfriend's a big, like, butt person. And for me, I'm like, gross. Like, it's where you poop out of. <laughs> like, it's just, gross. like, for me, it's like, it, I just don't, like, I can't wrap my head around that. And I know it's a big thing. And I know a lot of people, men and women, like that part yeah. of the body. But I'm like, eh. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I it's... can't, I can't get, <laughs> there's another pun, I can't get behind it. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's, yeah, it's just one of those, some of these body parts, I just, I can't, it doesn't, doesn't do it for it doesn't me. doesn't do it for me either. Nope. Oh, this takes it to a whole new level, though. I don't know that anything does it for like, me the way that shoes do it for Jerry, so. The fact that <laughs> he cut off her foot and just saved that as his trophy. Yep. Ew. Ew. Yeah. All right, well, <laughs> With, on that note, yeah. we'll be back soon. Yeah, we're going to. We're going to record part two right now, so at least she gets yeah, the so end of it <laughs> right now. I guess we'll see you guys next week, though, mm-hmm. but...
Yeah. Uh, follow us on all of the things. Yes. I can't even my I can't even form thoughts right now. <laughs> Rate and review. Um, check Go out our Patreon. Yeah, look at our TikTok. Do all those things. Yeah. If Please. you want to, if you enjoy the podcast, spread uh, the word. Supporting us. Yeah, we appreciate it greatly. Yeah. Thanks again to all of our Patreon who are uh, still supporting us. Yes, thank and, you. And we are so appreciative. Yes, so so much. And remember to keep listening if you want in on the sin. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.